Welcome back, folks, to the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast. On today's show, we have Oliver Morehouse. He is the head of business development for BrainLit North America, uh, the developer and IP holder for biocentric lighting. Oh, we're going to talk more about the health effects of lighting and all that. Oliver has 10 years of global commercial experience, primarily within the health and medical technology space. Oliver's primary focus has been establishing early sales success for European technology companies entering the United States market. Previous roles include VP of Business Development for Cellmark Medical and Senior Business Development Manager at Synergy Health PLC, later acquired by Steris PLC. Oliver was born and raised in the UK. We're not going to hold that against him. Uh, Majored in business studies at Nottingham Business School and currently resides in Montclair, New Jersey with his wife and young daughter. So we're going to get to him in a second, but first we got to get focused. We got to go to the original, Greg Eric. We got to go to energyfocus.com. That's E N E R G Y F O C U S.com. We're going to talk a little bit about their N Focus control system, Greg Eric. That's right. Retrofitable and affordable human centric lighting. Many office facilities that we deal with have fluorescent tubes right now. And the fluorescent tubes turn on and they turn off, and that's about it. But with their system, you have a simple install, network safe and secure, where you can replace your existing fluorescent tubes with the N-Focus LED tube. No additional wiring needed. Change the wall switch, change the tubes, cut the ballast out. You get 10-stage dimming and color tuning capabilities all built right into the tube. Ooh, go to the originals, energyfocus.com. And if you've already done those bypass lamps, Greg Eric, in those fluorescent fixtures, you can just pop in and focus, throw the wall switch on the wall, and Jimmy Tunable has you all set up. Of course, the National Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors, nailed.org, neild.org. Energy Focus is a proud member of that group. And get educated, get associated, folks. Go to neild.org. Oliver Morehouse, welcome to the Get a, Get a Grip on Lighting podcast. Thanks, gents. I hope you're doing well. <laughs> we are. Thanks for having us. Hey, I see right here, as I was reading more about your company, um, pioneered by the father of Bluetooth, scientific, scientifically proven to improve human mind, body, and spirit, the world's first lighting system that can learn from and respond to an individual's unique biology. Before we get into that, who is the father of Bluetooth? So our founder is a, Great a gentleman called Tor. <laughs> yeah, Great I like it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> very good. I like it. So uh, uh, I found a, a guy called uh, Tord Wingram, uh, based in Lund, Sweden. So our home market is a thousand-year-old university town uh, at, at the very south of Sweden, just over the the Danish border. Uh, so we fly into Copenhagen and. Uh, I think it's still the third most innovative place per capita in the world. 160,000 people. Uh, the dialysis machine was invented there, as was the pacemaker, as was Bluetooth. Um, and more recently, uh, in 2012, uh, Brainlit was founded very much as a health technology company uh, striving to improve indoor environments. First piece of that pillar is, of course, lighting uh, to you know, promote sleep and improve long-term health and the ancillary and associated short-term performance benefits as well. So Tord Wingram is our founder and both the father of Bluetooth and the brainchild of Brainlit and Biocentric Lighting. I'm at the website right now just looking at my desk here. It's got an Ikea vibe to it. <laughs> 
very Swedish, for sure. <laughs> Who invented the build your own furniture? I want to kill that asshole because, man, I, yeah. I hate Ikea. So they're going to have to, the Swedes are going to have to do better than that. But I'll throw it over to Greg Garrick to get the podcast going. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. So tell us more about Brainlet. What, what, how is it different? A lot of people have human-centric lighting or talking about it. Yeah. But I saw a few yeah. things that look different to me, but I want, I want to hear it from you first. Yeah, I mean, if we we start with the the end in mind, um, you know, Brainlit is really sort of an R and D house or an ideas factory. And the last two or three years have very much sort of been focused on now developing a, a commercial organization. And and the very core uh, IP is, as you rightly mentioned at the top of the show, is uh, biocentric lighting. Uh, and there's different offshoots in terms of IP of biocentric lighting, but the core principle is a, a protocol. So actually, if you take the Bluetooth model in mind, it's of a connection protocol. Uh, if you think like that for biocentric lighting, it's a protocol, it's a self-learning system that over time, when the user develops a biocentric profile or score, any biocentric environment they walk into, they get their own personalized light recipe. Uh, so biocentric lighting is really a, a protocol to deliver the right type of light uh, at the right time of day on the truly individual level. And that's sort of the uniqueness of biocentric lighting. You know, and I, you know, we're, we're all quite familiar with human-centric lighting and being able to take existing lighting infrastructure and tuning it to mimic certain aspects of the, the sun. Biocentric lighting drills down sort of into the individual level and we're launching technology over time that gets us closer and closer to that IPR is, is the best way to summarize it. And, and you mentioned that they get a, a biocentric profile or a score. How does that look? Mm. What does that say exactly? Tell us about that. So, I mean, it's all, all quite uh, sort of still in R&D phase and but behind closed doors. So, you know, if I reference publicly available information with, with the patents and the like, um, you know, ultimately, we can track all sorts of health metrics and we are today, right? Whether it's pedometer and tracking our steps, whether it's our heart rate variability with great technologies uh, like the Aura Ring or Roop and of course many others uh, commercially available. The, the idea is that uh, tracking one's light exposure is another critical pillar of health which is quite underserved uh, presently. So uh, we, we want to develop uh, you know, a core principle of tracking light exposure throughout the course of the day. Uh, through a variety of different methods and means, and of course, uh, with information that the user wants to, to give. Uh, a very practical example would be, given how interconnected everything is in the world today, it's very easy to track one's schedule and cross-reference uh, the weather forecast in that particular location. And also uh, via a, a brainlet application, the system could also understand when that user has checked in and out of a biocentric environment. So cross-tabulating this one schedule with the existing weather forecast and how often they've been in and out of a, a biocentric environment, you could create a, a biocentric score or a lighting score. Uh, and if there's a difference between your target score and your 
current score, the system could deliver a light recipe to top you up, for want of a better word. Uh, so that's sort of, it, it, it's very broad and as many directions we could take it, but that's the core concept. Uh, again, you know, to educate the market over time that tracking one's light exposure is critically important to health. And the science is for sure there, and I think it's becoming much more commercially accepted in the market that light's significant, right? I wonder how, how unique that scoring system is going to be because they take the three of us. Is there a chance health yeah. that two of us have the same score and we are prescribed the same lighting that we need? Or is there no way? Could do. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's quite possible. Um, but really, uh, again, I think that the critical focus of, sort of biocentric lighting is to focus on the unique needs of the individual. And of course, you know, practically speaking, you can't do that everywhere. But uh, what you can do is track you know, your own score over time and you know, influence your own behavior. But really uh, quite fascinating when you start digging into circadian rhythms or sleep-wake cycles, there's a really significant lighting study called the Munich study uh, that said there was above 43 different types of circadian rhythm. So you know, close to 7 billion people have a, about 43 different rhythms that could bo be boiled down into three core types, uh, a morning type, an intermediate type, and a late type. Uh, so you know, being a night owl is a totally biological thing. Um, and you know, we, we, we can influence it, but we, we really can't change it. So uh, each person has their own uh, score, and then of course their own schedule, plus their own preferences, plus their own sort of medical conditions and the like. So it, 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 it's quite possible probably through serendipity that we might have the same or similar scores, but you know, we, we all have different individual needs. Um, and, and I equate it, we, we recently uh, working very closely with high performance sports teams. Um, you know, naturally they're, they're looking for a sort of incremental advantage and the story of biocentric sort of resonates because athletes, uh, particularly say football players who are indoors for long periods of time, I mean, they're sitting under light anyway. So why not sit under a biocentric environment and really sort of Im improve incremental um, performance. You know, but game time is the same for everyone. So whether you're a morning person, an intermediate type or a late type, 8 p.m. comes around and puck drop hits you know, in the NHL, it's game time for everyone. So it's how do you positively influence you know, our natural hormone balance, cortisol, melatonin, to you know, create almost a standard level of care uh, to use a healthcare term, you know, at game time and puck drop. So it's you know, high performance sports teams are really looking at it from that standpoint. And other you know, organizations in, in different segments are really sort of looking to leverage biocentric lighting and human centric lighting, of course, for a multi multitude of different reasons. Right? And that, that study you referenced, can we find those details on the 43 different types? Yeah, absolutely. And of course, uh, you know, it's publicly available information. I don't have the, the authors and the reference you know, top of mind, but uh, yeah, it's, it's publicly available, the, the Munich study. And of course, our team's happy to share uh, with you all and, and you can publish as well. Now, in, in order to gather that data, I know I keep bringing back the score in this profile. I read that yeah. it says using wearables, <laughs> sensors, and optionally geno genomic data, geno, geno, yeah. genomic, whatever the word is there, yeah. 
What do you mean no bad? Yeah. Wearables. Yeah. Yeah. So it's um, so to, to answer that last part first, the genomic data uh, is is around chronobiology, right? So it's when do you best operate morning, noon, or night? Um, and so uh, and that sort of changes. You know, we have a core rhythm, but of course, many different factors you know influence that and change over time. Yeah, real basic example is you know you look at the assisted living space uh you know an, an elderly grandmother you know probably has a um a deteriorated retina versus their grandson who's going to visit them who's 16 so you know the type of light that we need to actually stimulate that hormonal response based on our you know sort of age and health conditions um you know that that changes over time so genomic data that that's what we mean by that and then of course um you know the, the wearable over time there's no reason why the wearable can pick up in real time what quality of light you've been exposed to um you know throughout the course of the day and the wearable can also detect uh, when you're in a biocentric zone and if that functionality is available uh will automatically deliver that light recipe to you so whether it's an rfid badge you know that the nurses use to register or open the door or whether it's a, a wearable um that, that we've all seen and used or whether it's our cell phone to check in and out it really doesn't matter but that personal identifier uh you know is a real unique add-on to biocentric lighting to be able to personalize the, the light recipe is there a relationship between race or ethnicity and these 43 different circadian rhythms? Um, we we ha haven't sort of dug too much into that. Uh, what I would say is from sort of a, a DNA standpoint, um, where people are located uh, throughout the course of the world, we, we've seen a correlation. For instance, um, uh, South Sweden in the winter uh, is Sort of limited daylight hours and you have a lot of uh, migration from sort of parts of the world like India uh, for you know, software development jobs and uh, in sort of being closer to the equator and having lots of access to natural light so our DNA aligns to that you know, over time throughout long periods of, of time and, and there's been significant issues uh, in South Sweden, as it relates to sort of Indian software developers, and sort of the negative outcomes, particularly in in winter months, uh, where you know the, the biological need for lots of access to natural light uh, isn't being delivered in South Sweden. So uh, th there is for sure, and on top of that, by the way, you know someone sort of with a Swedish heritage, uh, the DNA is used to getting a lot less light. Uh, you know, in the winter months, then the the body sort of uh, counteracts that. So there there is absolutely sort of um, some uh, sort of uh, correlation there, and some practical examples that, that we've heard with some of our clients in Sweden. Um, and you know, the Nobel Prize uh, was awarded in 2017 out of Rutgers for circadian medicine, which actually found that every single cell in our body has a circadian rhythm or a 24 hour clock plus minus. So it really is down to the gene level, uh, how, uh, you know, how much light is required and how light influences our well-being. So you know, this whole genomics thing, I think over the next you know, period of time is going to be uh, 
critical to optimal not just light environments but overall health at you know, of course as we're already seeing in different oncology spaces and the like is a it's a good way to say that answer your because you kind of answered my question is a good way to say that that we see correlations to people that live in southern or near the equator and struggling in the wintertime in places like Canada, Sweden, Minnesota, where, you know, um, where this technology yeah. is from, where I live and where Greg lives, and was correlated with some negative health outcomes. Is the lack of certainty, is there some tiptoeing around that a little bit because it's somewhat of a controversial topic to discuss? Is that why it's not, it seems obvious to me. Like when, not to be, you know, um, pushy on this point, but it seems I think everybody knows in the lighting industry that's at this top level that there's certain people that are geared to living in these high darkness environments in the winter. Yeah. And yeah. that people that tend to struggle more are people that are from, you know, say the Asian uh, Indian subcontinent or Africa or something like yeah. this. Why is it yeah. why is it not being studied more thoroughly? Well, uh, from from my perspective sort of as a commercial guy working in a health technology company I probably couldn't speak for you know the the overall uh, scientific industry but I would say uh, one of the the things that brain that did led led by toward in the early stages is a you know and you you guys operating in the lighting industry have probably seen this there is a plethora of information around how light influences our health to the to the genetic dna level um so i would actually say that the information is out there um and and potentially companies need to do a good job of both mining that data uh, and making it applicable and palatable to uh you know the, the general population uh, and also, secondly, working much more closely with the scientific community, um, you know, to, to research topics. But you know, one of the things that we've done is created a scientific, a, a totally sort of agnostic scientific advisory board that you know, every quarter, every six months, sort of feeds back to the R and D team what the sort of best in class research is and how we could sort of improve our technology to to really match what the scientific community is saying. So uh, I, I do think that the data is there. I think it potentially needs to be mined better uh, and there needs to be some joined up thinking uh, in the industry, which we, we are getting to, you know, broad strokes, healthy real estate. We're, we're getting that way for sure from what I've observed of the, the last two years of being involved in Brainlit. Yeah, the, the there should be a public health message to, you know, if you're feeling down in the winter, consider, you know, yeah. these these other types of light-based therapies in order for you to, you know, and if you're from any of these communities and recently have come to Canada and suffering from seasonal affected disorder, you know, this is yeah. something that you should seriously consider because of X, Y, or Z. I, I don't think that, you know, I don't think that is a negative message to put out as a public health advisory, especially since so many in the industry are claiming, and I'm not, you know, we're going to talk a little bit more about it, are claiming that these things can really help people. And if that's true, and if it helps some people more than others, then I think, it, I think there's um, a duty there to provide information about that. Um, this sounds a little yeah. bit, of, you know, the initial stages here. Um, this type of technology seems to have a touch of elitism to it. You know, it's expensive. It's mm. it's difficult to deploy. You know, if we're if we're going to help humans, how do we democratize this sort of stuff? How do we get it to the masses? How do we how do we get these these yeah. technologies to people that 
you know, are, you know, the, uh, people have lives. Most people are very busy. Most people don't have the ability to, when they're renovating their house, to look into Brainlit for their lighting systems yeah. in their homes. Um, how do we get yeah. this technology to the people? That's a great question. And so what we focused on to, to date, um, you know, it, it, as Brainlit um, is the, the business to business environment. Um, so the, the first, we, we have three sort of product lines, if you want to call it that. Uh, LVEN is our enterprise system, so E for enterprise. And we have over 400 enterprise installs, 20,000 people sitting in sort of general biocentric environments, predominantly in, in Europe. Uh, and now, of course, the last two years, we're branching out um, in, into North America. And so as a... Uh, as a company, sort of that, to, to try and democratize it. And of course, as a commercial company, we need to bring money in to keep developing the technology and growing the business. Uh, the business to business route uh, has been a, a very uh, good one for us to create accessibility uh, to biocentric lighting. You get sort of that critical mass of you know, people operating for eight to 10 hours a day in their work environment. Um, and, you know, actually what we found is, um, you know, we, 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 you know, towards mission and vision also is you know, high value technology should, should still be very accessible. So, you know, we're, you know, to, to sort of the commoditized light procurement framework. And I think you gents know this far better than I, a lot of leadification has happened because of energy savings, rightly so. Uh, and that's sort of a commoditized expectation. So uh, we, we say we, we can create the energy savings that you're requiring out you know, versus any other static or dynamic uh, lighting system, plus the long useful life, um, you know, uh, and, and sort of the, the long term warranties to protect that as well. So the total cost of ownership is there so we tick those two boxes and then on top of that you get all of the performance benefits for your your staff to create that staff engagement to lower that staff turnover uh, and, and create that roi um actually we're, we're there's no premium to biocentric lighting in that environment and that's proved a very scalable message now of course um you know on, on you know consumers much more fragmented market segment uh you know harder to create those economies of scale but we're really leveraging that b2b market you know, you know to, to you know, provide those benefits and i see it as a hub and spoke model we're working with a lot of enterprise clients particularly through covid where you know there's now the, the new normal right is that a very Watch fluid it. working situation yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah the new normal um you know a very fluid working situation where you might come into the office two days a week and there's no reason why companies and they are aren't subsidizing another product line we have called alvin uh, which is a, a standalone plug and play floor lamp based solution that can go in the home office so uh, we're working with a number of high value clients or performance-based clients that um, you know will put our system in the offices and they're heavily subsidizing the alvin for their staff as you know a corporate wellness benefit so uh, to, to very long winded answer your question we've really focused on b2b to create that economies of scale create that critical mass um you know uh, and that's working quite well and over time it'll become much more accessible to sort of the, the consumer 
themselves. Uh, you said that the science is there for sure. That's an exact quote from earlier in the podcast. I wrote it down right away. Yeah. Uh, first of all, yeah. before I don't like the word science anymore. I, I think it it's become more confusing than I think what you're saying when yeah. you say that is that there's research done by yeah. um, institutions and accountable people beyond the realm of yeah. the corporate world, which indicates yeah. that certain light criteria based on individual circadian rhythm can lead to better health outcomes. Yeah. Is that a fair statement to, to say? When you yeah, said that, the science, that's, the that's what statement. you mean. What, that's what you mean when you said the science. Did I sum it up correctly? Correct. Okay, now I'm going to ask my and question. Let me just uh, let yeah. me ask my question. So is that research primarily about exposure to sunlight and that sunlight does help people? And then there's this um, uh, extension to that that says if we provide similar lux levels or similar color temperatures as the sun, we can achieve those same outcomes or similar outcomes. Is that what you're doing? Or is there research that indicates that this electric light, we've studied it, and it does mimic what sunlight does? Do you understand my question? 100%. And so I'll I'll start with that. Um, It's going to be very hard for any company to compete with the sun. (laughs) <laughs> in terms of lux, you know, sun is a hundred thousand lux. Uh, that's not a very energy efficient luminaire, and goes against everything we're trying to do in, in terms of leadification. So, um, I, I totally understand the question, and uh, you know, it it's the human centric lighting space in general is sort of a, a, a rapidly emerging, a rapidly growing environment, and I would suggest that. Um, most of the the industry players are what I, rightly or wrongly, just in my uh, simple mind, is backing into the science, and 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 the science is very broad, you know, uh, in terms of you know our biology, right? So in the early 2000s, we found retinal ganglion cells in the eye that are directly linked to the brain. That when we receive light in certain sensitivities and directions. It stimulates a hormonal response. So there's that biology, biological science. The 2017 Nobel Prize for circadian medicine that you know, each cell has a uh, biological clock, and the, the significant influences of that clock is food intake, physical environment, and light. And then it's you know uh, it's actually broadly uh, sort of artificial light sources in a variety of different settings, be it GSA buildings, long-term care settings, and the ranges of light that have then improved outcomes. And so I think where we're at today, and I agree with you, in my mind, it's never absolute. When I say the science is there, the science is there that there's across those elements, there's research that has created a foundation that, you know, for two hours, you know, for a minimum of two hours, it's recommended to get above a thousand lux of light. So what we're doing as a company is taking the very best in class research. There's seven dimensions of light that are super important to mimic. So the science and research suggests today, which is ever evolving. Um, and, and we say we can replicate those ranges of light, you know, a thousand lux for two hours, and then change the wavelength curve over different times of day, you know, to create that melatonin or cortisol response. So we're backing into the science with sophisticated hardware. And the added element of that is obviously software. And, and that goes back to the point about accessibility, actually, to sort of put a bow on that is 
we're trying to get to a point where we're future proofing the operation. So if you've got long, useful life hardware uh, and it's sort of what the science currently suggests or research currently suggests, it's sort of specified way lower and way higher in the ranges. And with simple software updates, you can replicate any light environment as the science continues we we can sort of create software recipes uh which you know means no more retrofitting uh so on and so forth so i think it's we've tried to set up the business where there's foundational research and science of course it's ever evolving uh, and we make as it evolves we want to you know be in line with the science and make that you know make that non-invasive to the client you know over time yeah, I, I just I, I like to delicately step around the word science because there's different yep. interpretations of what that means. I like the word the research indicates, of course. Um, because you know, um, you know, and so when people, science is is not settled, but I think when people use the word yep. science, they mean settled. You know, um, yep. and you know, so I I would say that the research indicates. Final question before Greg wants to jump back in here. Um, what, what I've did to, I've spoken to, I've spoken, speaking, who learned me how to spoke? I've spoken to, uh, <laughs> a, a, many, um, researchers and scientists, yeah. PhDs, lots yeah. of them. And my yeah. conclusion to all of this, and, and you tell me if I'm wrong, is that you could do whatever you want with a lighting system. Okay. Mm. Um, all manner of things. And it could be fantastic. But if you don't restore natural darkness at night, when people are going to sleep, and you disrupt that, that is a fundamental, uh, people are looking at their phones close to their face before they go mm. to sleep, this kind of behavior. Um, if that is yeah. not remedied, then most of the gains from the improved lighting is lost because there is this, um, the idea, and even I'm even kind of um, on the Starving for Darkness podcast, Greg, we're pushing the idea that the, the industry needs to become the lighting and darkness industry, not just the lighting industry. Mm. And so that we have to, we have to, we have an obligation as an industry because of what we know now to provide good lighting, you know, and I'll leave that to Brainlit to tell me what that is. But then we also need to make sure that people are achieving darkness. And this is super important for shift workers and people like this, that they're able to keep their circadian rhythms in check. Um, how is Brainlit dealing with the darkness factor? Yeah, uh, another good question, and you know, 100%. It's it's not absolute, and uh, you know, sleep hygiene is, is critically important. You know, element one is you know, in modern day life. You touched on it. You know, it really isn't designed very well to achieve sleep hygiene. You know, it's constant travel, you know, digital jet lag, social jet lag, screen time, uh, so on and so forth. So I think our particular focus at the moment is uh, you know, if you create good light exposure throughout the course of the day, you can offset, um, you know, never 100%, but you can offset the risks of, of poor sleep habits you know, toward the end of the night. Uh, so that's our critical focus is actually for the eight to 10 hours a day where we spend 90% of our day indoors in modern day life, what light exposure you were getting that then can have a positive effect and see you out through the course of the day. So uh, for sure, good light exposure uh, does minimize the, the negative impact, you know, uh, looking at screens at 
12 midnight etc um and secondly though it, it takes some joined up thinking and so we need to get aligned with voluntary standards uh, you know like ANSI the uh, you know, circadian disruption standard like the well institute uh, and a variety of light research group uh, and the like um to, to really you know sort of control that 24-hour cycle so our particular focus is to give good light to offset that and we're working on uh, lots of great innovation to also minimize the risk around you know screens uh, light uh, and so on uh, but i think it's an industry-wide effort to, to really try and influence that behavior um you know as much as possible but right now very focused on trying to offset that i have a statement that i'm going to throw it over to greg though but um, uh, it's interesting, like it's almost like the lighting industry should start saying to people or like the health professionals or whatever, you are yeah. not a nocturnal species. <laughs> yeah. You're, you are a diurnal species. Some of us are adjusted to different amounts of daylight and there's different things, but you're not a nocturnal species. You should consider not wearing sunglasses sometimes when you go outside to expose your eyes to the sun. Not that sunglasses are evil or anything like that, but you know, you should consider more sun ex- direct sun exposure on your skin and eyes as a way yeah. to improve your health. This doesn't mean that sunglasses are not cool anymore. It doesn't mean that certain people that have problems with their eyes shouldn't wear sunglasses. I'm not saying, I'm not, a, not saying, what I'm saying is that sun exposure is not bad for human beings. And that's a lot of what we've been told over the last, in my lifetime, is that sun exposure is bad. And I think that that message needs to get out there, that Pete, you're not a nocturnal species, and sun exposure is not bad for you. And, you know, and then we go from there. So, Greg, you're up, though. <laughs> yeah, so relating to this, and I think I'm going to have a question out of it, but just from a, a statement from uh, a podcast we recently did, another company in Sweden, they did a lot of research and, and to develop their product. and the government of Sweden funded that research so that they could do it. Are, are you guys doing something? Let me, I'll keep talking, but I want to know what you guys are doing because it seems like that's the issue that's missing right now is funding for research to determine what we should do. And I think a lot of companies don't have it or aren't willing to put in their own capital. So maybe we all got to move to Sweden. Yeah. You tell me. Well, um, so the, uh, one positive of the many being a Swedish company, um, you know, very research driven and you know coming from the, the the healthcare services industry prior to joining Brainlit so the a lot of the medical technology health technology world looks at Sweden for sort of accuracy of data so i think they're very research driven um and, and very collaborative by nature anyway and you know, as a as a relatively small private company uh you know, we we are um, you know, having done you know, two two re- recent rounds of fundraising, you know, a significant portion of that will go to you know, developing specific research uh, and more dialed in research over the next couple of years. Uh, you know, around sort of the, the positive impact of biocentric lighting, um, you know, on specific groups uh, and particular patient groups in in healthcare. So, <clears throat> I. I absolutely agree, and we agree as a, a company that you know, we we everyone operating in the industry you know should sort of put their money where their mouth is and and really you know, again be focused on creating a, a joined up effort 
Um, and, and as I said, I think we've been thought leading by creating a impartial scientific advisory board to mine the existing research that, that's out there. And that's sort of step one. And we're, we're very early on this journey, right? I mean, you, you look at, you know, again, sort of somewhat of an outsider coming in, you look at sort of LED space, I mean, um, yeah, that that's sort of been rolling out over 15 years and we're still maybe halfway there where we need to be. I mean, it's a, it's a long sustained journey. And I think each company, you know, of course, in a competitive environment needs to develop technology that offers greater value, but also we, again, going back to it, need to have some joined up thinking. And yeah, I, I believe that everyone who should invest in, in the, the research and the science as well, for sure. And, and I think over the next year or two, and, We'd love to stay in touch. We'll be announcing much more of that, um, and and uh, you know, hopefully adds a you know, adds a, a lot to the industry as a whole for sure. And I, I think to Mike's point earlier of bringing it to the masses, the only way, in, in my opinion, to, that it can ever get to the masses is if whatever is figured out is capable. Multiple companies are capable of doing. No, no offense to Brainlit, but let's say you come up yeah, with whatever the right formula is. Every lighting company in the yeah. world should be able to do that too. That that has the capabilities of manufacturing, so that then we can go out and sell it. Because otherwise, if it's proprietary and no one ever knows, it won't ever get out there. I mean, Mike, do you agree with that statement? You know, um, the idea of the uh, platform, open platform or open ideas. Mm -hmm. You know, it's and I want to ask you about the seven dimensions that you mentioned earlier. Um, mm -hmm. But I'm just gonna to mm -hmm. kind of look at that for a second what greg said there um the lighting industry yeah. has a history of snake oil okay um yeah. all manner of um uh claims including in the led era and i, I for the light ted show greg i'm bringing out this bad boy right <laughs> Good. um you know hundred thousand hour life <laughs> right yeah guess yeah. what it's sitting on the host of the get a grip on lighting podcasts desk Right. As an example of hubris gone wild. Um, and so yeah. the, the lighting industry has a history of claims, boxes, lifetimes, yeah. like anybody in the lighting industry that gets asked about that's been in the game for a long time. When somebody says rated average life, that's a joke. I mean, that, that's not even nobody can take that seriously. You know, it, it's yeah. never been correct and it never will be correct. It's just a we put the light bulb in a microwave for a minute and lasted. So that we're going to multiply that by this and this is whatever it is, um, they, the way they come up with these numbers. But but the point being is this, is that this is, I, I'm afraid my fear, okay? So like um, we were talking with um, the horticultural fellow the other day, Greg, uh, also in Sweden. Mm -hmm. That's who you're referring to, Ali. Um, yeah. Yeah, his company. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. Heliospectra. Heliospectra, yeah. And we, we spoke to him and we got into this idea of light not, you know, the heat and light, that these are not, you know, um, th there's information in that, right? And so the idea that the sun is sending us information, right? Or you can call it meta information even, right? So that in light, we can implant information that speaks to us on a biocentric level. Like that's what you're sort of referring to, right? With this you have biocentric lighting. What you're saying is that with light, we can tell your body to do healthy things, right? Like produce melatonin 
later in the evening so that you spend less time on your phone necessarily like you said it's like we can only what we can do is during the day so that if they actually participate in this system they will be more tired at night because they've received the light exposure they need during the day that's how you it was kind of like you're trying to answer the question but when you were answering that's what i understood is that you know with brainlit we you know there is also this factor of exposing someone to the right amount of light or whatever the right terminology is right recipe i think you used was a word a recipe and having software that determines that for them and then that will make them more tired at night so they're less likely to watch tv all night long or spend time on twitter on their phone swiping up like this and reading nasty comments or whatever it is because they're more tired because they've received the light exposure they need during the day this is information and the lighting industry and the researchers around this should look or meta information they should consider it and try to where is the rosetta stone that's going to tell us what the information is and if we can figure that out, you, you may be unlocking the keys to the understanding of the universe, man. I mean, that's how, if the sun can tell a human being to produce vitamin D, can tell plants to grow, can tell people to fall asleep, can tell darkness animals to become awake and all, this is information. It should be treated as such. It's not like an infrared heat wave. Well, we don't need the IR from the heat. We only need the, uh, you know, the waves of this light at this back. What is the information that's being passed, transmitted from the sun to human beings, to other wildlife, to the sea, to animals? What information is coming from the moon? And people think I'm crazy when I talk about this, except people that are smart and PhDs. They think I'm cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. I try to tell my kids about this and like, Dad, there's no information from the moon. Well, there kind of is. You know, it's stirring the pot. You know, the waves are being brought back and forth and the tides and all this sort of stuff. There's information there. Does Brainlit, you know, I know you're maybe not one of the researchers, but does Brainlit think about it that way, that it's actually information and we need to decode it? Uh, I would would say yes. Um, And, you know, again, you know, it's firstly, there's in our minds, there's no silver bullet. It's, you know, if you just you take, again, reverse engineering what the research says, light is agreed to be a significant influencer of our health on a high level. You, you tailor that down as it relates specifically to the circadian rhythm, managing our cortisol and melatonin to help us sleep, which I think is, you know, the, the research indicates is uh, the preeminent pillar of health, if not one of the handful of the most important ones. And there's you know, seven different dimensions as you know, we, we touched upon. Uh, that right now the research indicates uh, that if we replicate certain ranges across those seven dimensions or information, then that, uh, this will help us sustain our natural biology. Um, and so I've never actually thought about it like that. It's a, a really, so it's a re- really interesting concept. I've sort of thought about it like we're trying to artificially, as accurately as we can, replicate, you know, the natural environment where we're supposed to operate and live, we're trying to replicate that in modern day life to help us you know, maintain our biological rhythm. But I, yeah, so I've never thought about it like that. It's well, really you should, th- you should think about it like this, so, maybe. I'll give you even higher level. To, pff, yeah. Maybe people are going to think I'm even crazier. Yeah. Let's get spiritual here for a second. It's not an indicator or a helpful, not one of the things that help with human life. It's the creation of all life on earth. Okay, like if you think about it, all life on Earth is created by light energy, period, end of the story. 
and that there's meta information in that which can impact our human health and if we can and, and the health of the planet and there's meta information in starlight in the moon these light energies are coming to our little glass marble here in the universe and they're telling this one place to make life and if we can understand that if we can understand what that meta information says we can do all manner of wonderful things. In fact, we may, you know, become like unto God, Greg Eric. There you go. <laughs> I mean, that's the secret of the universe. Well, how does that light do that from that distance and the moon mixing up the, the oceans and making the oceans go all over the place? What is that, what is that recipe? And what does that tell us about who we are? I mean, that's, that's I, I think, what Brainlit you know, where it's going, where these companies are going, the ones that are growing the plants, Greg, they're decoding another language, the language of the universe, and the language of God, perhaps, Oliver. <laughs> well, ah. I think, uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, to, to uh, let's say Rome wasn't built in a day, we're very <laughs> focused on how light impacts the circadian rhythm, and that is totally our core focus uh, and once we you know uh, interesting actually we did a consumer survey and and it was well understood that light is important to our health um uh but really interesting it's sort of underestimated very significantly how much time we spend outdoors so we do in general spend 90 percent of our day indoors which isn't natural on top of that uh, it's not well understood that artificial light sources can actually deliver uh you know the, the benefits required to, to maintain a healthy river and that to, to go back to one of your earlier points that so, sort of was a question that's a critical element for the industry to get aligned on as well is that education piece that hey we're spending a significant amount of time indoors doing unnatural things and it's having a really big impact on our health that you know first you know high performance athletes and your know, first movement they're starting to understand but the general population totally underestimates sort of our negative behaviors and on top of that the the industry needs to show and validate to go to the sort of uh, you know, snake oil analogy like you know, artificial light sources have a true positive impact when we replicate X, Y, and Z range. The other point I would make is, <clears throat> I'm not sh wondering if you guys agree or not, in the sort of fragmented space of circadian lighting, there's no one standard definition. What does circadian lighting mean? Is it that you can change the color temperature so it looks red like the sun at night? Is that circadian? Or is it wavelengths that are designed to hit your eyes a certain way that stimulate the retinal ganglion cells? Or is it delivering different light at different times of day? And yeah, it's it's uh, it's there's no one standard definition. And whether it's biocentric or something else, we need to get to that point, right? First of uh, all, Oliver, everyone if, needs to do that. If you want to want to ask questions, you need to start your own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, it, it, no, I I totally I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I love the way you said the fragmented. I think that's exactly right is that it's very fragmented. And, you know, I'm going to say companies like Brainlit and, and, you know, the other ones in the space, Energy Focus is one of these companies, they're really pioneering the way into this area, you know. And the idea, this human-centric umbrella that we're putting over top of, you know, biocentric, circadian, um, you know, and I would put into that, like, preventing slips and falls using lighting. 
um, you know, helping, you know, various uh, 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 dementia patients. There's all, there's like a, a whole bunch of little subsections of human centric or bio um, integrative lighting or however you want. It's like an umbrella that has these different veins in it that are going in different directions. Um, there, you know, there isn't a consensus, but, you know, I think we need to start trying and, um, you know, to respond to the, the question, um, get a grip on lighting is searching for the answers, brother. And that's, that's what we're about here on, on this show. And we welcome everybody, but we're, we're embedded in, when I leave the studio, when Greg leaves the studio, we go and try to sell light bulbs to people. That's what we do every day. And so it's not an ivory tower operation here. We are embedded within the lighting industry. We are on the front lines of that industry. We deal with customers and contractors every single day. And so what happens when people come and get a grip on lighting is they get a dose of the reality of it, like how difficult it's going to be to actually deploy this on a mass scale. What is it going to take? And then what, what comes with that is sometimes there's a fiduciary duty. Like Dr. Mark Ray, uh, I spoke to him, and he thinks the lighting industry has a fiduciary duty to, pr to promote some of this stuff and to get it into people's hands and sell it to them. Some of these solutions around the dementia patients and the slips and fall prevention and all this sort of stuff. Like, if you don't do this, you're not doing what you're, you're called to do. Now, I don't think we're there yet with circadian, but I love the fact, Greg, like companies like Brainlit and that are, are pioneering into this space boldly in a sense. And, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not giving you an advertorial here, but I, I appreciate what Brainlit's doing, Greg, Eric. What do you think? What I do as well. And, and yeah, and to answer the question from my standpoint right now, if somebody were to ask for that, uh, you know, human-centric lighting, biocentric, whatever term they want, I would say, I don't know what the answer is, but you can change your colors and you can change your output. That's what I'm going to give you right now, and then you figure it out, or we'll tell you down the road. That's all. That, that's where I'm at from my standpoint. I think the industry that's out there selling it is at too. When tell it's to a point where we know here's what will work. All we can sell right now is choice. Yeah, and before I give you ask for some final thoughts, Oliver, I see tuning easy, easy tuning of lighting. So like you, you know, people you know people love dimmer switches, right? They're also gonna love tuner switches. Like as long as it's as no apps on the phone, just like Energy Focus does with the switch on the wall, where you can just tune the light. That's the gateway. That's the gateway for the consumers into this. Is telling them that lighting spectrums can be changed, right? And you can do it. We'll start off by giving you the choice. Go to N Focus. You know, you can now you can start to see that you can tune your light. Oh, okay. And then we can go to sort of a prescribed reality where it's like okay now that you know that lights can change consumer colors can change spectrums can change outputs can change and they can be dimmed and risen by your hand on the wall why don't we program that for you so that now you can use this for human health outcomes so i think the the brainlit sort of uh, option is going to stay elite for a while it's going to be for you know high-end architects and designers and we have some calls here actually um, for, for, you know, home builders that are building, you know, these homes and that, you know, for very wealthy people. But I think once those standards are set, the early, you're, you're entering the early adopter phase, Oliver. You're entering, you actually have products to sell. They're pretty good. You know, they work in certain instances. And so we got to get through this early adopter stage where people are going to pay $50,000 for a TV. 
you know, and we'll let them pay their 50000 for their TV, but eventually that TV is going to be 700 bucks, and everybody gets one, right? That's kind of where we want to go. Do you agree, Oliver, and what are some of your final thoughts? No, 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 I do agree, um, you know, and it's a, it's a, a step-by-step process as, as one company, be it Brainlit or, or uh, anyone else, and then I think companies need to reflect on where they fit into the ecosystem because, you know, a light environment um, is quite a complex thing. You have the the luminaire and you need the very best luminaire manufacturers and suppliers. Uh, You have the the light control, you have the user interface, you have the software recipes and everyone needs to take a a real close look of where they fit into the ecosystem. And and I, I, I really think that uh, there needs to be a lot of collaboration um, because, again, going back to it, circadian is very fragmented. And you've mentioned on this, um, you know, on, on this podcast, five or more companies that a, a, a procurer or a customer might view as sort of competitors to Brainlit. And I might argue we're actually all very complementary. And if you took a joined up view, you could create a really best in class light environment and building management and others. So um, I, I totally, I totally agree that we're we're very much in that first mover phase. Um, and you know, we 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 are very pragmatic. And, and and as I said, we 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 sort of try and we tick the box on the sustainability element, the energy element, and that's where a lot of, in our sort of home market of New York, a lot of the conversation is still around. Rightly so. You know, energy savings, you know, the sustainability piece. But to your point, where's that human sustainability discussion coming in? And everyone needs to, to say that message. So very long story short, very, very much in the first mover phase. It's up to private individual companies to A, figure out where they really fit in um, and B, you know, price it as such where it becomes very accessible. I believe we do. We do both. And yeah, take a long term view in terms of, you know, the, the trick is you don't, this can never be obsolete. It needs to be non-invasive and you know, over time be able to be prescribed, as you say. And again, lastly, regulation. I think there's one voluntary standard in Canada, uh, but where's the others? And why are they only voluntary? And so regulation and you know, moving, we have to tick the box on energy, but it has to take a step further around human sustainability. And I think with maybe next two, three, four years, we'll, We'll see that regulatory piece really drive this as well. I'm going to agree with all of that and add one more element and that the industry needs to set up some kind of monitoring where there is, where we're monitoring uh, for positive outcomes. We're looking for anything negative that may be coming from this um, and all completely transparent and open with the public where, you know, if we, if a mistake is made, it's not covered up and so on and so forth like that, that idea of monitoring the post installation results and sharing them on an industry platform would be incredible right now. And it's nothing to be afraid of lighting industry. Let's do it because this is a massive market that will open up to us if, and everybody will get rich. So just let's get, let's make sure we do the right thing. Folks, if you made it this far, I know uh, Oliver and Greg, I can speak on behalf of them. Thank you for listening. If you want to check out Brainlit, go to brainlit.com, B-R-A-I-N-L-I-T. But Greg, the original, come on, man. 
the original That's Energy right. Focus. And, and <laughs> check them out for their retrofitable and affordable human-centric lighting tubes that you can retrofit into an existing fixture, change the switch on the wall, give your customer the choice of the light they want. Cheap and ready. Not cheap. Well-priced and ready to go. I have them right here in the studio with the switch on the wall. Go to energyfocus.com. That's E-N-E-R-G-Y-F-O-C-U-S.com. Thanks to them. And, of course, the National Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors. That's N-A-I-L-D.org. Nailed.org. And, you know, if you haven't joined yet, I'm not going to let you in anymore. I'm going to shut it down. No more members. You haven't, we have told you guys all along. Get in here if you're a distributor. Or electrical distributors are welcome, too. So come on down. Check us out. Nail.org. Thanks for listening.